Hello, everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to the Gender Libertarian Podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Substack page, jenmonroe.substack.com. All right, so we have made it through another week, and we are done with the month of January, which this was a weird month. <laughs> wow, a lot of stuff happened this month that was kind of unexpected and off the wall. And it feels like this month has been about six months long. And this past week was calmer in certain ways, but in other ways was really kind of batshit crazy. So obviously we will talk about stonks, but we're not going to talk about stonks yet. We got, we've got other stuff to talk about before we get to the whole GameStop situation. So I will start where I've been starting since March of last year. Hopefully maybe by March of this year, I can stop starting here. I'm not holding my breath though. And that is with the unemployment numbers. Uh, for the week ending on January 23rd, there was an initial 847,000 unemployment claims filed, which is definitely a drop from the past couple of weeks where we've been in the 900,000s. Um, two weeks ago, we were almost pushing a million. So it is coming back down, thankfully, because that was, that's not good. That's, that's not good. There's not going to be any economic recovery until the job numbers get themselves sorted back out. So at least they are falling a bit. Um, not entirely sure why there was that bump there, but at least it is Diminishing, hopefully, fingers crossed, once we start getting more vaccinations out. Um, it looks like the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is on track to be approved in the United States sometime in the nearest future. Uh, that is the one that is more like a traditional vaccine. It is not the mRNA vaccine. It's not as delicate. You don't have to keep it in cold storage. It's only one dose. It's slightly less effective than the mRNA ones, but it's still perfectly fine and effective. So hopefully we'll start getting that online. And so we'll start having more vaccines available. Um, still having issues with vaccine rollouts and about people being able to get access to them and doses getting wasted. And it's just still kind of a mess. So fingers crossed over the next maybe month or two, we can start getting that situated and then start hopefully getting back to the business of getting back to normal. Um, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen with the job situation though, because I'm I'm afraid at this point, some of these jobs are going to be gone for good. So fingers crossed, um, still no word on a, well, it would be technically the third COVID stimulus package at this point. Um, kind of stalled out in Congress right now. I've not actually heard a lot of chatter about it over the past week, so I'm not quite sure where everybody is at with that. I know there's a lot of argument going on now. <laughs> Because for some reason, um, progressives seem to have gotten it into their head that when Joe Biden said $2,000, that he meant an additional $2,000 on top of the $600, which I don't remember him ever saying that. And I thought everybody was pretty clear that the $2,000 was going to be inclusive of that $600. But now they're pushing for an extra $2,000 check. Um, I saw... Who was it? It was one of the squad. I think it was Ilan Omar, who was pushing for $2,000 a month until the pandemic is over. I don't see that happening. But now there's a bit of an argument about the third stimulus check and the size of it, which it's supposed to be. Um, as it stands right now, I think it's supposed to just be $1,400 to make a whole $2,000. But now, now apparently that's not good enough and the goalposts have been moved. So now we have to have an argument about that. Um as far as any kind of federal unemployment, that's all kind of tied up in that argument. So I don't know when that is going to be addressed. Obviously, there 
I, I would say at this point, it's pretty fairly obvious that there is going to be another round of federal unemployment benefits at what rate and for what time period. That's kind of to be determined. So over the next couple of weeks, um, well, I say over the next couple of weeks, we have kind of a, a an important thing coming up, not next week, but the week after that, that might derail a little bit of this. So fingers crossed that that will get kind of hashed out for people in the near future, for everybody who is unemployed, people who are underemployed, people who are still waiting for that third stimulus check. Hopefully we'll get some kind of answers for you guys sometimes in the near future but I'm not holding my breath on it being any time in the next week or two because moving on to the next situation is impeachment. Now, I believe I told you guys last weekly roundup that the trial is right now scheduled to start on February 9th, which is not this coming Tuesday, but the next Tuesday. Um, This coming Tuesday, February 2nd, is the deadline for the Trump team kind of filing their first legal response to impeachment. Here's the problem. (laughs) Um, We don't entirely know now who exactly is going to be representing Donald Trump in this impeachment trial. Um, The head lawyer, Butch Bowers, has officially withdrawn, so he will not be leading it. Um, We do not know who exactly will be showing up for his impeachment team. Um, Yeah, that's... Well, you know, <laughs> when your first filing is supposed to be in a couple of days and you don't entirely know who your lawyers are going to be, um, this is going to be an absolute shit show. Um, I, I seriously, I hope yet don't hope that Donald Trump goes and like represents himself or tries to have Rudy do it or somebody do it. Because at this point, this is so radioactive that most lawyers don't want to touch this because they don't want their names associated with it, which absolutely understandable. I mean, lawyers have a career to worry about. So I I don't know exactly who is going to be showing up for the impeachment trial. Nobody knows. So that ought to be an absolute dumpster fire. But more to be learned about that next week. Um, I do want to talk about the deportation ban. Um, I told you that on the first day of the Biden administration, DHS had issued a 100-day deportation moratorium on most deportations until basically we can get this whole thing figured out. Um, The Southern District of Texas has blocked that deportation order. And for right now, they've blocked the deportation ban for 14 days. Um, The judge has floated the idea of extending that that ban, excuse me, until the end of February. As of right now, the Biden administration has not filed any kind of response to that legal ruling. I don't see how they wouldn't, especially given everything that's happened over the last four years with the Trump administration and immigration and how it's basically been codified that the executive branch kind of has ultimate authority over what does and does not happen. Also, the Trump administration was really good at setting a precedent for basically just ignoring whatever the courts had to say and just pursuing whatever agenda they wanted to pursue. Not that I'm saying that Biden will continue that trend. I certainly hope he doesn't. But at this point, the deportation ban is on hold right now. So we're we're probably going to have another four years of Basically, immigration in this country being decided between the executive branch and the judicial branch fighting each other over what is and is not legal, which would be nice if the, you know, legislative branch of the government decided to step in. And I don't know, maybe 
make a law to codify this sort of thing? I don't know. I think they're supposed to do that. I, I remember there's a whole a whole body of government whose job is to go make laws so that we don't have to have the executive and the judicial branch fight it out over what is and is not legal about things that affect millions of people's lives. You know, just a thought. But like I, like I did say in the last episode, Biden is going very hard on immigration. He has introduced what he would like to see in a bill, um, whether that's going to happen or not. I don't entirely know. Um, there's kind of talk right now that since it's looking like a whole like holistic immigration reform bill is not going to happen in Congress because Republicans are going to block it, maybe they're going to start breaking it down into chunks and passing individual aspects of it, which I'm okay with that. Like if the if the thing is I get nothing or something, I'll take something over nothing. Like don't don't go for the big moonshot bill and then get that shot down and end up with nothing. Like break it down into chunks, make people go on votes saying that I don't support a path for dreamers, I don't support amnesty, I don't support immigration reform. Make people go on record with votes on each specific issue rather than making this large bill where somebody can pick out a a part of the bill and say, well, I don't agree with that, so I'm not voting for any of it. While that kind of gives that person an excuse for not articulating why they don't want to vote for this bill. Like it gives you this one little thing over here and then you can reject the whole thing without having to really explain yourself. So hopefully maybe we'll get something going on that front. Like I've said, if there is going to be any kind of congressional movement on immigration reform, you do have to start now because this is a process that is going to take years. So it's not something that can really wait too much awful longer, especially when you're looking at 2022 and you're not entirely sure what's going to happen with the midterms, which again, (laughs) we just finished one election, but now we got to start thinking about 2022. And it's like this, we're going to be in an election cycle for forever and ever and ever, everybody. I'm sorry. (laughs) But this is the world we live in now where everything is just measured by the next election. So Obviously, it's going to behoove Biden to try to get done as much as he possibly can in these first two years while he does have a Democratic Congress to work with. So that is that. <laughs> um, something that people have been bringing up over the past week, and it's I can't believe it's been a little over a week that Biden has been president. It feels like it's been forever now. Time has no meaning anymore, but obviously one of the biggest controversies has been the amount of executive orders that have been signed. I believe the number is at 45, which is a lot of executive orders to sign in a week and a half. Here is my problem with this whole debate and the people who are raising these questions now, is that first and foremost, this is kind of basically just grandstanding because neither party is going to do anything significant to reform executive orders. Like that's just not going to happen because neither party is going to risk giving up that unilateral ability for their person when their person is in the White House to do things through executive order. Neither party is going to walk that back. So that's why this whole thing is just an elaborate bitch fest and nobody's going to do anything about it. And that's why it annoys me. It also annoys me because now all of a sudden... Republicans have a problem with executive orders. And I'm just like, 
where the fuck were y'all for the past four years when the rest of us were bitching about all the things Trump was doing via executive order? I did not hear a lot of Republicans saying boo about that because it was things that you liked. Like, it's either you don't want the president to have that power or you do. And you don't get to predicate it based on whether that president is doing a thing that you like or you don't like. There's a lot of things that Biden has done via executive order that I do approve of. There's a lot of things I don't approve of. The Keystone Pipeline is one of them. And I mean, it's just because I do have my points of agreement with what he did, it doesn't mean that I don't still ask for Congress to do their job so that the president doesn't have to or can't. Like, And it's been the same when Trump was president. It'll be the same when Biden's president. It'll be the same when the next person's president. The problem is the power. But the only time anybody bitches about the power is when it's being used in a way that they don't like. And that annoys me. It annoys me. Because it's, like I said, it's it's grandstanding. It's just bitching for the sake of bitching and you're not going to change anything. You're not going to fix it. You're not going to roll back any of those powers. So it's just like, shut up. You're really not that bothered by it. You're genuinely not. You're just mad that now this guy is undoing all of the things that your guy did. Which, again, if things were done through lawmaking and not executive orders, you wouldn't have this problem. Like, it's just... uh... I hate it when people complain about a problem, but don't ever offer up or have any kind of serious intent of pursuing a solution to the problem. That annoys me. It's like you don't really have a problem with it because you're not really trying to fix it. You just want to be mad at somebody about something. It's like I I want to fix problems. I don't want to just sit here and be mad at people. I don't just want to sit here and mudsling because, oh, you did the thing and I don't like the thing, but... I was perfectly fine when my guy did the thing because I liked the thing when he did it. It's like, just shut up. Shut up. Anyway, now that we've discussed all that, now, now we can discuss stonks. Before I get directly into the GameStop situation, I want to back up a little bit because a lot of people learned a lot of things about investing this week. And a lot of things that people, like, if you if you like explained it to someone, they'd be like, that's illegal, right? Like, Nah, it probably should be, but it's not. So before we get into this, let me explain how short selling a stock works. And I'm going to steal an explanation from somebody off of Twitter because this is the best explanation I've heard of it. And it basically goes like this. Say I buy a dress from Target and it's $30 and you like the dress. So you say, hey, can I borrow that dress for a month? And then after a month, I'll give you back the dress plus $5. And I say, sure, okay, you can go borrow the dress. So you take the dress, you take it back to Target, return it, and get the $30, and then wait for that dress to go on clearance for $15. You go back, you repurchase the dress at $15, and then at the end of the month, you give it back to me. So at that point, I mean, I have my dress back, I have my $5, I've been made whole, but you, because you did it that way, you made money off the deal. You ended up making $10 off the deal. That's how shorting a stock works. Basically, you can sell a stock without actually owning it. So what you do is you borrow a stock and then you go sell it under the premise that you can, before you really have to like settle up the deal, you can buy that stock at a lower price than what you sold it for. This is how hedge funds work. So (laughs) now to try to explain the GameStop situation. 
I will go ahead and start by saying this involves a bunch of asshats on Reddit. So you already know what this is going to be. So one Reddit user on Wall Street Bets, uh, Deep Fucking Value, figured out that hedge funds and a particular hedge fund in particular, Melvin Capital, which for some reason, Wall Street Bets, which is a Reddit sub forum, they have a huge hard on for this hedge fund. I don't know why. I don't know what the hell Melvin Capital ever did to them, but they hate them. So deep fucking bets, their deep fucking value finds out that hedge funds in general and specifically Melvin Capital are really overexposed on GameStop stock. Say that five times fast. (laughs) So basically they're completely over leveraged at this point about 120% of the available GameStop stock that is out there has been shorted. Obviously, you can't you can't cover that position. There's not enough stocks to cover that position. So they find this out, and the GameStop stock was like I think originally when it first started traders like ten dollars. It was it's cheap, and so you had this this kind of perfect storm of a cheap stock that pretty much anybody can buy and hedge funds that were overexposed on shorting this stock and a bunch of autists on Reddit who were like, fuck these hedge funds. Let's let's do this. Let's go buy this stock up. Let's go drive the price up basically to screw them over. And so that's what happened. Um, a couple of those stocks ended up getting involved in this. Um, I mean, it originally started with GameStop. GameStop. See, this is hard to say. <laughs> But it moved on to like AMC, Bed Bath & Beyond, American Airlines, Kodak, basically any company that's kind of on the brink of not really being able to be a company anymore. And here's the idea behind the Wall Street Bets guys and kind of the, the attitude that they take towards these hedge funds, which is that shorting a stock is predatory behavior in a way because it's contributing to the downfall of a company. Because what you're doing is you're betting on a company to fail. And sometimes, um, let's just say people will go out into the media and create a specific narrative and tell people like, oh, this stock is going to fall. You should go ahead and sell it now. Kind of forcing the issue so that the stock does actually fall so that they do actually make money. So yeah, kind of predatory behavior. I can understand people being pissed off about that. So starts with GameStop. GameStop. <laughs> I'm going to screw this up all damn podcast. I'm sorry. So we start with that. And I first started seeing like rumblings about the story on Monday. So started seeing a little bit of titter, started seeing a little bit on Tuesday. Wednesday, it started kind of gaining more mainstream momentum. Thursday, the story blew up. And then all of a sudden, everybody knows what's going on. It becomes this massive thing. And now that kind of brings us to Robinhood. Um, If you don't know what Robinhood is, it's a trading app. It's pretty easy to use. The main selling point of Robinhood is that you do not pay a commission for buying and selling stock. It's completely free. So Robinhood has kind of become the go-to app for a lot of young people who are investing. And this has been a meme since like summer of last year about like Robinhood investors. 
So you got these kids, you know, you're investing. And I'm not saying that everybody on Wall Street bets is like some autistic kid. Like there's some heavy hitters there. Like there was money involved in this. Don't get me wrong. This was not a bunch of people sitting around in their basement just investing 30 bucks a pop. There was a lot of fucking money involved to make this happen. So that being said, we come to Robin Hood. On Thursday, right as this whole story is going wide, Robin Hood has the massive unfortunate of what we now know being put in a position where they did not have enough money to cover all of these trades and just to kind of simplify this a little bit um when you make a trade through an app it's kind of a convoluted procedure where the whoever owns the app actually like buys the stock out of their money and then compensates themselves with your money it's not a direct you give money and then it goes directly to there. There's there the whoever the the firm is that's doing your trades is acting as a middleman. So basically, Robinhood got hammered. They kind of ran into a liquidity pr- crisis. However, instead of just explaining that on Thursday, what they did is they stopped the buying of certain stocks, but not the selling of the stocks. Now. <laughs> Okay, pro tip fam. If you are a company worth billions of dollars, hire a fucking PR firm to handle this shit for you. Because what they should have done is either, first of all, well, actually both things. First off, halt the buying and the selling of certain stocks so it doesn't look like you're trying to create a situation where people are forced to sell. Second off, just be honest about why you're stopping the trades in the first place. All they had to say on Thursday was, hey, we do not have enough funds on hand to clearing house all these trades, so we got to stop the trades. I think everybody would have been fine with that. I mean, people would have been pissed, but not as pissed as people got because they, they stopped the buying and not the selling. And then they gave out this like mush mouth kind of explanation of, well, the market is volatile and we're worried about our customers and we don't want anybody to get sucked in or taken advantage, blase, blase, blase. <laughs> So obviously everybody loses their shit because it wasn't just Robin Hood. Um, Weeble stopped the trading. Um, I think TD Waterhouse did. I don't know if E-Trade stopped it, but everybody stopped the buying and not the selling. And so it looked like there was a coordinated effort to engineer a sell-off of these stocks by scaring people into thinking that they weren't going to be able to make any more money and get out of those stocks with profit. So basically trying to make people want to sell, basically scaring people into selling. That's probably not what happened. Um, Weeble was a little more open about it. And they said, they, they went on record saying that, well, we stopped the buying because it just became too expensive to facilitate these trades. Okay, all you had to say. So- Everybody loses their shit because, of course, the, the the pause on the buying comes right at the moment where this story is going wide. Really unfortunate timing for all of these platforms, but here's where it is. So, people lose their shit. Um, <laughs> I, I'm trying to explain this as easily as I can because there's kind of a lot of moving parts here. Um, Robin Hood was accused of taking orders from the hedge fund that actually clears their trades. Okay, Robinhood uses Citadel 
to be their their basically their trade desk. Um, how this works, and this is why I have never doubted that there was hedge fund money involved in this. Um, and, and this is another thing that people kind of got a little bit angry about if they understood it at all. Um, basically, Citadel works as the HFT, the high frequency trader, which basically means they just run a server farm. So the deal that Robinhood has with Citadel is that basically Citadel front runs their trades ahead of Robinhood trades. How this works, and if this sounds a little bit like insider trading, it kind of does this kind of a little bit like insider trading. Um, basically, when you're using Robinhood, you're paying for the service with your order flow. You're paying with your data. The same way we do when we use social media or the internet or anything else that we don't pay for, you're paying with data. What ends up happening is that Citadel gets that, like we're talking milliseconds of advance notice of what is buying and selling on Robinhood and uses that data to make their own trades based on activity going on on Robinhood. They split the the profits between themselves and Robinhood and Robinhood uses that to offset the cost of the service so that you don't have to pay. So it all gets a little murky from here. Um, Wall Street Bets was kind of successful in targeting Melvin Capital. Um, Melvin Capital has had to get billions of dollars from other hedge funds, most notably Citadel. And so, yeah, they they were and were not successful. I mean, Melvin Capital is still existing right now. They are on life support. What's going to happen next week? I don't entirely know. But kind of spiraling out from there and the reactions to this story as it started going wide was interesting to watch, honestly. So the story got framed as this group of people on Reddit. And a lot of people, for some reason, apparently, I, I don't know if this was like their first day on the internet or something, but they got mad at the Wall Street Bets people for calling their, <laughs> for calling people retard and autist. And I'm just like, are you new here? But anyway, so you have this group of people on Reddit who have taken on these big hedge funds and were being successful. I mean, they've caused losses in the billions at this point for these hedge funds. Like I said, Melvin Capital has had to have large cash infusions just to even stay alive. Other hedge funds have been bleeding money. Um, I think Melvin Capital actually had to sell off their stake in Alibaba, which had to have hurt to try to bail themselves out. So yeah, there's been a fair amount of damage caused by this whole, whatever it is you want to call it. I think it's funny as hell. Anywho, so his whole framing starts coming out and it's like this David and Goliath thing, plus a little bit of like class warfare mixed in. And so now once it started going wide and the whole Robin Hood thing happened, um, side note on that, as far as I know, Robin Hood has re-allowed limited trades on certain stocks as of Friday. Um, not every not every app froze stocks. So anywho, so it, it turned into this whole kind of like cause for lack of a better term, where people started, started investing, not only because they heard of like, oh, this person made tens of thousands to millions of dollars off of trading this stuff. So I'm going to go do it. And then there's other people who are like, hey, I want to kind of like express solidarity with the cause here. So I'm going to throw a couple dollars in. And then it just started snowballing and got way, way out of control. Anywho, 
there's been a lot of kind of discussion about about this whole situation and I think I mean there's I mean I'm sure by the time you listen to this you've heard so many people discuss it so I think I want to take it from kind of a different angle um, as far as who made money and what and when I don't care I don't care I hope everybody involved made money I hope everybody made out I hope everybody gets their money I mean there's already been people who have cashed out who paid off their student loans paid for a family member's like kidney transplant um the guy who actually discovered this, the deep fucking value guy, um, his portfolio sheet right now, after a $742,000 investment, he's sitting about $41 million. So, hey, cash out. Get your money. Like, I am not mad at anybody getting their money. If hedge funds got in on this, well, yeah, that's kind of what you're supposed to do. Like, if you see a stock that's all of a sudden just, like, skyrocketing for no apparent reason, like... You don't stop and ask. You get in on that because your job is to make money off of stocks. Like, that's what they exist for. So, I'm, I'm not mad at anybody making money off this. <laughs> but here's the thing. This, I don't think, for either the Wall Street bet guys or a lot of the people who got involved after the fact, was about making money. This is about making a specific statement about certain activities that take place in the financial sector. To me, this is like another version of woke capitalism. Like if it's like not a bad thing to say, take $30 and go buy a Black Lives Matter shirt, then what's the difference between that and taking $30 and going going to buy GameStop or AMC or any of these other stocks? It's a way of using your money to support a specific cause. And it's not necessarily that you're going to get anything back from that. I mean, if you buy the Black Lives Matter shirt, you get a spiffy t-shirt. And I don't think we're getting spiffy t-shirts. If we are, please let me know. I need to put my name on the waiting list. <laughs> but to me, it's it's part and parcel of that whole idea of using your money in an activist sort of way to achieve a certain result. Like I said, it's the same thing as saying you're going to bank with this bank or not that bank, or you're going to patronize this business, but not that business. This is the same thing. What fascinates me the most about this story, though, is how it all started in the first place, which is a bunch of autists on Reddit decided to get together and use the internet, use these retail trading investment apps, and be like, fuck it, we're going to fuck with some people. And it worked. It it worked. <laughs> I mean, you can't say this was not successful. And so that kind of lays out the template. Like if this is a thing that can happen now, it's going to happen again. Somebody is going to replicate this situation and target some other company. Whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, I guess it's going to depend on the company being targeted. But to me, this is some real like revolt of the public shit right here. It's like where people have realized that you can take these tools that you have access to and really use them to fuck with people in a way that can create some serious damage. I mean, that's that's kind of amazing in a way to watch people come together and really like do something and it be successful like that. Like feel how you want to feel about hedge funds or short selling. It's kind of amazing that they pulled this off. And I think that is going to have some long-reaching effects going forward, whether this will be 
end up being like a blip on the radar or if we're going to remember this as like the first time people really used their financial power in a way that could really hurt institutions. I I, I don't know what the future is going to bring, but obviously, I mean, there's nothing to stop this from happening again because, I mean, doing a short squeeze, which is technically what Wall Street Bets was trying to do, is illegal if you can prove that that is what was trying to be done. Here's the thing. It's a bunch of people on Reddit. It's not one hedge fund going after another hedge fund where you know, like, the SEC knows who to go visit. Like, what, you're going to go, like, subpoena Reddit users and you're going to bring them to court and they're going to say, what, I like the stock? Like, what, you're you're not going to really be able to do a decent case. Now, I will say the SEC is probably going to be knocking on Robin Hood's door and asking them some questions. I would not want to be Robin Hood's lawyers right now. But again, like, I, I don't know exactly what you can make stick here. I mean, it's going to be not a fun time for Robin Hood because the SEC already kind of doesn't like them anyway because of lack of transparency issues around their deal with Citadel. They just paid, gosh, it was, I think, a $61 million fine surrounding their lack of transparency about that deal. So I would not want to be them right now, especially given that um, AOC has called for an investigation into this. Um, Elizabeth Warren has called into investigation on this, except on the other side of things. Like AOC wants to know why apps paused buying and not selling. Elizabeth Warren wants to know how this happened in the first place. <sighs> There's going to be congressional hearings that, oh, oh my God. Oh, no. I just realized. There's going to be congressional fintech hearings. Oh, no. It's going to be like the worst of tech hearings and the worst of financial hearings all at the same time. Oh, my God. Oh, no. That is going to be such a fucking train wreck. Oh, that's going to be horrible. Could you imagine trying to explain, like, a retail trading app to like a 70 year old. (laughs) Oh man, this is going to be bad. Oh no, I just realized that, but I'm sure those will come eventually. But to me, the whole story, I mean, whether you, whether it is a David versus Goliath thing or whether you want to make fun of the fact that hedge funds probably got in on it. And like I said, I, I have no doubt that Citadel had money in that. Like just the way their deal with Robinhood is structured. I don't see how they couldn't. I wouldn't discount other investment firms getting in on this because, like I said, that's their job. It's They're there to make money. Like, <laughs> they saw the same stock rise the rest of us did and probably did the same thing the rest of us did, which was like, I'm going to buy that shit. I mean, that's just, I'm not, I don't understand why I'm supposed to be mad at that. Like, that's just how things work. Now, a lot of people got exposed this week to how certain parts of the financial sector work. <laughs> Like I said, with short stocks and stuff where people were like, wait a minute, that's legal? Like, yeah, that's legal. And whether you think it should be or not, that's legal. And so we shall see what ends up happening. Um, A lot of people seem to be interested in day trading now. Um, My suggestion would be um, day trade crypto. It's a lot less complicated. <laughs> Maybe a little more volatile, but not quite as crazy. <laughs> Just day trade Bitcoin. You'll be all right. 
Just take your nice like 4% gains over the week and just ride out with that. So anywho, this upcoming week will be interesting. Um, Whether there will be a sell-off of these stocks, I don't know. The idea behind the Wall Street bet guys is that they are going to buy and hold to some point in the future where they will take their gains and go. I'm not entirely sure when that will be. I'm not entirely sure where... (laughs) where they draw the line. But I would say, I mean, I wouldn't sell on Monday or Tuesday unless it really starts plummeting. I mean, I I, I don't see this going on for very much longer, but I don't see this ending in the next couple of days either. So it'll be interesting to watch. And a lot of people now think stonks are fun, which they can be. And you, you can gain a lot of money. You can lose a lot of money. But yeah, the whole reaction to this has just been fascinating to me. And actually thinking about it, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the the big Bitcoin rush of a couple of years ago, where people made these same arguments about how people are buying into this bubble and it's going to crash, it's never going to last. Here's the thing with these stocks. I don't think anybody investing in them at this point is like, nobody's like, sell all of my stock in Coca-Cola and buy GameStop. Nobody's doing that. Like nobody's mortgaging their house. Nobody's taking out loans. Everybody's doing this basically at this point as like meme investing. I think that's the the term that we've settled on is meme investing. I call it shitpost investing because to me, it's the investing version of shitposting. You're doing it for the lulls. You're doing it for YOLO. You're doing it to stick it to someone. And people are doing like... $50, $100, if that. I mean, it's not like people are investing massive amounts of money in this and they're going to like be destitute. Like everybody knows what's up. Like everybody knows this is a bubble. Nobody's fooling anybody. (laughs) So I'm not worried on that level. I just think it's a fascinating phenomenon that, I mean, could happen again because why not? Why not do this with some other stocks that are being shorted? (laughs) Oh, that was another one. Dogecoin. (laughs) Dogecoin had a massive spike, which for Dogecoin, let me put this in perspective here. When this all started, it was like trading for like a fraction of a penny. And I think it made it up to like $4, which is a lot. (laughs) Yeah, they sent Dogecoin to the moon. Um, Yeah, it was just basically like meme investing, like people just investing to be part of something, be part of some kind of movement. Which, again, that's why I compare it to woke capitalism. And I would rather people express their feelings and their anger towards the system in that way versus, say, storming the Capitol building to stop the certification of a presidential vote. A little less violent this way, a little little better. But you did see a lot of that populist sentiment come out that This was kind of the small guy sticking it to the big guy. And that's why this was so fun and funny. And like, it it, it is fun and funny. Like, it's it's crazy to think that anybody pulled this off, especially a bunch of autists on Reddit. (laughs) But it's it's amusing. It's amusing. I don't feel like this is any kind of harbinger of any kind of like, oh, God, they're going to burn the system down. Like, no, no, probably not. Sadly, probably not. But will this happen again? I think so. I mean, because the template is there now, and why not? You can. Like, it's been proven that you can do it. So what that means going forward, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> we shall see. I mean, it's. I think it's funny. 
Like, I don't take any kind of ethical or moral stance on the rightness or wrongness of what Wall Street Bets was trying to do. I mean, it's this is part of short selling. Like, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. This time, the hedge funds lost. I mean, there's really not much more to say about that. I mean, this, this is the game. You play the game, sometimes you lose. So... At this point, I will go ahead and wrap this up because I think that pretty much covers everything from this past week. Like I said, things are getting calmer, but things are getting weirder. So we shall see what happens over the next couple of weeks. Like I said, we do have the impeachment trial, not next week, but the week after that. So this upcoming week, there's probably going to be a lot of lead up to that. Um, One thing I did forget to mention is that in the Senate, um, Rand Paul decided to hold a vote on whether or not it was constitutional to impeach the president after he left. And most Republicans voted that it was. You had a handful that didn't, obviously, Romney, Murkowski, Collins, you know, the the usuals. So it's kind of a portent as to how the vote is going to go down for the final impeachment vote. I mean, I don't know. I I think it's really going to hinge on whether there's witnesses. Yeah, we're talking about like calling witnesses. Capital rioters. Oh my God. The, the Q shaman guy, the antler guy, he wants to testify against Trump. Let him testify. Let that man talk. Let him talk about how he was there because President Trump told him to be there. So there, there's going to be some fights this coming week over witnesses because obviously Democrats want to call witnesses. Republicans do not want to call witnesses for obvious reasons because we, we already know what the witnesses are going to say because they have not shut the ever-loving fuck up ever since the Capitol riot. So we kind of already know where they stand, but it would be nice to hear it in an impeachment trial. So that's probably going to be the big fight upcoming this week is witnesses versus no witnesses and whose witnesses and what witnesses and yada, yada, yada. So As always, if you did make it this far, thank you for listening. And if you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Substack page, genmonroe.substack.com. Take care and until next time.